Hey guys, today we have an exciting show. I have with us Mr. Ryan Foland. He is a TEDx speaker and author of the book, Ditch the Act, which I love because he uses the catchphrase perfectly imperfect and I wanna learn more about what that means, but I love it already. And also is the creator of the 313 method. And so I'm super excited to have him here with us. So welcome to the show, Ryan. Ahoy, it's good to be here. I'm ready for a chit chat. All right, and welcome all of you to Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I am Melissa Oatman from melissaoatman.com. If you are new, I wanna welcome you. And if you're returning, welcome back. So Ryan, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how did you come up with this method and, and this idea of being perfectly imperfect? Well, uh, if I were to share about myself, I think our childhood shares a lot. And as a kid growing up, I grew up in a family of educators. And that means that, you know, mom and dad were teachers, mom and dads were vice principals, mom and dad were principals. And so above all else, school was a huge priority. And I learned that as long as I got good grades, I could pretty much get away with whatever I wanted. And it was a lesson that I still kind of hold true today, where as long as I'm, you know, outperforming the expectations, uh, you know, I'm employed by a University of California, Irvine, and I have my own business. And as long as I get like that settled, then I really look at life as an opportunity to play. And uh, for me, playing is sailing and being out on the water. So in an ideal world, I'm either speaking or sailing. And since my boat's from 1977, sailing also includes fixing it and uh, working on it and tooling on it and tweaking it and learning. Um, a fun story about that is I paid a mechanic to do a bunch of work and the boat shortly broke thereafter. And I brought him back to see if he could fix it. And he said, well, what I fixed works. Now you've got all these other issues, but the problem is I'm not going to be able to fix this for another six months backed up because of the pandemic and everything. And so I went, okay, do you think I could fix it? And he's like, I don't know. Can you? I was like, well, can I ask you a couple questions right now? Can I record it? So I recorded him as he pointed out to this engine compartment, to all these different pieces. And uh, I took on one of the most intimidating projects of my life, taking apart a 1977 engine, getting parts refurbished and putting them back together in a very small confined space. And I did it and it actually worked out so well that we had to can't, well, we had to cancel our wedding because of the pandemic but we ended up eloping on the boat. And it was only because I took on that responsibility of fixing it myself that we had the boat to elope on. And I think that's just kind of an analogy of my life. I'm just a scrappy MacGyver-ish, put some duct tape on it, uh, tie it together, see what works, learn how to do it. And I think that's where I figure things out. And then once I figure them out, then you can hire people to do that. Then you can create systems and you can uh, you know, essentially continue to, to build other things. And if I look at, you know, where I am at today, a lot of the brand that I've built has been in like this 1977 engine, which I'm not really sure what's going on with it, but I figured out along the way. And the one thing that I figured out is that if I go back to the engine, my engine doesn't look that new. Okay. It's, it's rough around the edges but that's what gives it a character. That's what gives its unique nature. And there's quite a few times in my life where I tried to sort of repaint my own engine to try to show a shinier, uh, making people think that it's maybe more high performance than it really is. 
when in fact it was broken. And so there's been a lot of work that I've done on myself. Uh, there's been a lot of work that I've done on my own engine, replacing parts and, and just accepting the fact that I, I may run, there's a little smoke coming out the back, but, but I'm still running. And so for me, uh, you know, sailing uh, is an analogy for life. And, you know, you, you're powered by the energy around you. Things are always breaking. You're always fixing it and figuring it out. And so I think from an early age, that just kind of set me on this path of, you know, explore, test, build, optimize, and scale. Uh, but of all that, not trying to replace your whole engine, just being like, yeah, this, this, I'm a 1980 engine actually. So it's like, so that's where the perfectly imperfect comes. And I really started to see traction with my brand, uh, with speaking professionally, uh, with even, you know, uh, getting a book out there into the world. When I stopped trying to put a new spray painted coat on myself, um, a little rough around the edges, a little ginger, a little freckles here and there. And, you know, I'm telling you, life is that much more awesome, a lot less to worry about and a lot less worrying about what other people think. And it's okay if not everybody likes you, but I really am happy with myself. I, I, I like my own awesomeness, uh, freckles and all. So it's a little, little snippet into my past, uh, all the way up to the, to the present, but that's, that's what I'd say right now at this moment. I love that. That's such a great analogy. And it is such a freeing thing to not care what other people think about you. But I know if, if you're like me, it took a while for me to get there. I don't know about you. There's nothing more terrifying than showing the patina, right? Like showing that there's cracks, showing that uh, you're, you're, you're not all that you think people would think that you are. And I think social media just amplifies that because when you look through Instagram, you feel bad about yourself because you see all these beautiful people and you see all these successful people. And I think that's really um, the external factors that make it more difficult than ever to just own your own engine, I guess, decide to work on your own engine. It's like people are trying to buy new boats and people are trying to, to, to upgrade and get these, you know, a nice car and a nice thing, like the surface level things. But I've found um, I'm happiest when I'm myself, but it is not easy. Uh, it is not easy at all. Yeah, it's, I think it takes, it's a process that just takes time. Um, but I agree with you. I am my happiest when I'm not concerning myself with other people and what they think. And I'm sticking true to my own purpose, my own path, staying in my lane, so to speak. Totally. And one, you know, this idea of being perfectly imperfect, um, I'll give you a real example from yesterday. So yeah, I've got hundreds of thousands of followers. I've got a successful business. I'm also uh, willfully employed at a major university. I have all the accolades. I've given four TEDx talks. I've got all this stuff. And along with that, there's a lot to do to keep that boat afloat. I'm writing blogs. I'm here on this podcast. I'm on tweet chats. I'm I'm juggling meetings, I'm zooming, fatiguing, all this stuff. And yesterday, I somehow just got into the mentality of being hard on myself about all the things that were not done yet. And I'm looking at my Trello board, I'm like, God, I got to do that. And shit, I don't have time for that. And where am I going to do this? And I was so hyper focused on things that had not been done. And I just didn't have enough time during the day. And then that created sort of stress and anxiety. And then the time that I had to work on stuff. I sort of just didn't work at my optimal level. And it was only until after the day was done 
and I was talking with my wife and I was like, I just realized why I've been a funk all day. I've been totally focused on what I haven't done. And I'm completely forgetting about all the exciting stuff that I have done and that I'm doing and it might not be finished. And I just had this realization. I'm like, oh, so I tweeted that. And I was like, I just have to say I'm off today because I've been focusing on all the wrong things and it totally threw me off. Bleh, B-L-E-H, like, bleh. and it's always so surprising that being a bit vulnerable like that, there's no reason I didn't need to share that, but I felt like I wanted to from my own recognition and more people, I'm getting chills right now, more people that I haven't heard from in so long, they're just like chirping in saying tomorrow's going to be a better day. Oh my God, that was my day. That's my day every day. I feel that same way. And like people who I respect that don't necessarily just tweet me up. And it inspired my stick figure drawing for yesterday, which is everything will not get done today. And like that whole process, like I could have easily just not shared that with anybody and kept up this sort of like shiny facade, but I was like, I really had a, a not so good of a day yesterday. But because I shared that, now I'm reminded that I'm not the only one. It gives other people permission to feel that same way. And today I just like so much weight was lifted off my shoulders. I've had a few people just direct message me, just checking in to see how my day's going. I'm like, this is great. Like so much better than just trying to pretend like I had a kick-ass Monday when I, when I really didn't. Yeah, I think it's so important to be open and honest about that. And I do that with my listeners and followers from time to time too just to let them know. And I tell them, I'm not all rainbows and sunshine all the time. Bad things happen. Uh, but it's, I love what you pointed out that it's about changing your perspective because you could have kept going with beating yourself up that I didn't get it done. I didn't live up to the potential or the hype that I thought I should have today. And instead you looked at it as your chance to say, well, I'm human. Look at all the things I have done and it'll get done i don't need to stress about that which i love because i think so, too many people focus on the latter mm -hmm. i should have gotten that done and then beat themselves up and then it just becomes a vicious cycle you said ladder and i just imagined a ladder of like climbing a ladder even though you're talking about the other and yes it's just we just keep climbing keep climbing but i, I want to deconstruct we have these perceptions in our own head and we don't necessarily admit them to ourselves okay the first sort of step was recognizing in myself. But if I would have just recognized it, but not vocalized it, it would have stayed one of those like defeating thoughts and stories in my head and my whole week probably would have been off. But to ditch the act, the name of the book and that the concept is I sort of opened up to my wife and I just admitted like, hey, I was a little off today. And I explained why she didn't need to reply. She's just like, oh, that sucks. And it was, it was the actual fact that like I took it out of my own head and put it into the world. And then she now kind of like, she knew, wow, oh, he's had a kind of a tough day. Like maybe she would have perceived my energy level as something that she did when it had nothing to do with her. And then to further that, I sort of ditched the act with everyone and just said, I'm feeling off. And so I think when it comes to these little moments of being human and vulnerability, it starts with admitting it and recognizing it to yourself. But if you don't actually share it with a friend or a loved one or your wife, husband, partner, whoever, it sort of stays in your head. And then one of the reasons to get it out online 
is that you become now more relatable. Hey, this guy's got all this stuff going on, but he also struggles on a Monday. I kind of like this guy. I'm going to take what he says as a more authentic, more honest voice. So just, just thinking of that out loud, it's, you don't have to share it online, but identify yourself and share with yourself, share with a good close friend. And that will hopefully will like release the pressure. And then when you get comfortable to share with your audience on a podcast or, or, or even a private group that you have, it just, it just deflates. It just, just deflates it. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. And I have a private monthly membership and a member posted something that was pretty vulnerable the other day and then started to apologize for posting it and just saying, well, I just needed to get this out there to which everyone started writing. No, you don't need to apologize. Like, this is great that you're sharing this. You can feel safe. And she said, this is a safe place, which was the whole aim of the group in the first place was for them to have a safe space. And the fact that she felt comfortable to write it there was awesome. But then she had all of this support flooding in from other people going, it's okay. It's okay for you to feel that way and, and virtual hugs. And even just the act of someone just saying, I sympathize with you and I know what you're going through um, has the ability to make you feel so much better, I think. Yeah. And when it comes to creating content. And, and this is what um, this is what I really enjoy working with people on is that they have their expertise, right? We know that you're an expert in this. You're an expert in A, B, and C. Well, if all you do is create content saying, I'm an expert and here's what I think, it, it I don't think it resonates as much as reverse engineering. Okay, you're an expert. What experience gave you that expertise? And not when you got the job, but when you didn't get the job and when you didn't pass your that license and then when it didn't go right, because those are really where the, the lessons are. And so if we're taking this example of like, hey, you're off on a Monday, sort of sharing it with people, a private group, a friend, a wife, husband, partner, it deflates it and it makes you feel good. It also makes the other person feel good and they're primed for learning. And so I look at my content I'm, I'm creating a piece right now about starting with a story where how every week we would get $5 as a kid for our allowance. And then we go to the toy store and we get to spend it. My sister would spend it on art supplies. I would look at all the GI Joes and Legos and I decide, mm, I'm going to hold on to my $5. Next week I came back with $10, checked them all out. My sister cashed out. I held on to it. And in that story, my mom always tells it, but it's like, that's truly part of like my personality, like a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And I just stacked that up. And the market, I'm sorry, the, the blog was about how to be a scrappy marketer, how to build a brand on a budget. And so it's like, if I were just to say, here's how you build a brand on a budget, da, 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 da. it just comes across sometimes as like, I don't want to say preachy, but it's, it's a little tone deaf. It's like, here's my thing. But when you talk about as a kid, having $5 and then $10 and this being something that you've always sort of sort of seen as, as how you operate and then applying that to how to build a brand on a budget, then it's like, hey, this is a guy when he was small, walked out of the toy store empty handed and he's the same guy now that has his hands full of this, right? So I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to showcase their awesomeness based on stories when things weren't that awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty much 
why I wrote my book and how that came about too, because it was my awesome disaster of a marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Put out there for everyone to see to show that um, it doesn't always work out at first, but that doesn't mean that it was not worth something. It means that it was a lesson and a chance to learn and to grow, which I feel like every setback, something that you think is a setback that happens in your life is an opportunity for you to actually learn and grow. And it's not a wasted experience or wasted time as a lot of people want to label it. So you said setback and I heard in my brain step back. And it's almost like, I don't know the words that you're saying, I'm like visualizing them, but when you have a setback, if you just take a step back and you see what you learned, this is something that I think is valuable. I think that to, to some extent, people are looking for hacks and apps for everything. But if you look at like the human experience and where throughout the history, whether it's documented or not, the real lessons, the generational knowledge that's passed is passed based on learning lessons of what went wrong. And that's why I'm fascinated with history, like watching Rome or the fall of of Constantinople and seeing like what these people did. It just, there's lessons to pull from. And so I I just don't think people share enough of their own personal history. And, you know, you can't really build a personal brand unless you get personal, but people try to, they just try to paint the engine, put some sparkly, you know, tinsel on it. And all of a sudden they think they're going to be perceived the way people want them to be perceived, but you're sort of losing some of your identity in that process. And it's the scariest thing ever. And that's why if you start small, if you don't have a good day and somebody asks you how you're doing, maybe share that it's not the best day. And then they might open up that, wow, I'm so glad you said that because I also had a hard time sleeping last night. Well, it must be the moon. And now you're like, Hey, we're bonded. So it sounds simple, but don't confuse simple with easy. It's a process. It's not going to happen today, but you can take these little small steps. I was on a podcast and somebody asked me, and I, I love not being prepared because I never know what I'm going to say. Like, Ryan, what would you tell your younger self? And so first, I don't know whether it was the, the sort of the actor in me, but I just took my chair and I went, Psh. so visually I just shrunk in the screen. I was like, I was taking this, okay, here I am. And I just thought, if I were to give advice to my younger self, it would be focus on the stair, not the staircase. And that's it. Like focus on the, the daily, like yesterday was yesterday. Today's today. Um, and I think that's empowering. It's, it's the advice that nobody wants to hear because they want the hack or the app. Right. That's so true too. It's like people always want to say like, how can I quickly fix something, right? It's kind of like your boat. You're like, well, I wanted to fix it, but you knew it wasn't going to be a quick fix. But a lot of people want that, you know, well, I want to be thinner. I want to lose weight. Can I just take a pill? Well, Mm -hmm. I want to heal my past, but can I just do like one meditation and I'm good? You know, it's like the quick fix to everything. And I think the one thing that I have found in my life is that anything worth doing took a lot longer than I thought it would. And it wasn't a bad thing because I think it's all a journey and a process, but there's no quick fixes in the game of life, I don't think. No, and nor in in repairing your boats. And I love this analogy because I have such a different relationship with my boat now. 
like uh, like it's totally different. Uh, I was looking at a at a port light, which is like a porthole the other day, and I was like, this isn't working right. It's not. So I was fiddling around with it. Now, prior to my really being forced to work on my engine, I would have been like, I need to find a window guy to fix this. Right then and there, just went to the tools and I took the whole thing off and then I cleaned it up and then I found out who manufactured it. They're still in business. I ordered a new one plus some other parts. And now like I'm going to have new porthole windows that I'm doing myself, but I would have never had that confidence unless it started somewhere else. And I think that's true when it comes to building your business and your brand. I had somebody DM me and just be like, how do you have so many followers on Twitter? And I said, well, I've been tweeting for about six years and over 50 some odd thousand tweets. <laughs> There's a, I probably tweet, I was on a tweet chat today. So I probably clocked a couple hundred tweets today. And so at the surface level, we think, oh, we want followers. But the followers as a result of the work and the community building and the grind and, and the tweets and, and the tweets where nobody likes them, but you still tweet. <laughs> and I think, I think it's empowering. I mean, as I say it, I'm getting motivated. Whereas yesterday I would have been like bah humbug, but again, it's all this self-realization, right? Yeah. And you have to get past the, when you put something out there, there's no noise. That ego part, I think you have to get past that because you're going to do things that go over really well. And you're going to do things that don't. And we want to try to like, hide the stuff we do that we think oh nobody like that but the truth is sometimes people notice and like what you do and you don't even know they do because they just maybe they looked at it but they just didn't respond or didn't do whatever you've got to take the ego out of the formula or else you're going to constantly be second guessing yourself comparing yourself to everyone else and worrying about that being perfect. And remember, perfectionism is just another form of fear that keeps you stuck. Mm -hmm. It's a good excuse, too. You know, I talk about this concept, which you were alluding to. I call it the invisible like. And in particular, you know, we post something and then it's like we go back and we refresh. Did anybody like it? Did anybody like it? And you're like, oh, okay. Oh, did anybody like it? And the next day, you're like, you check your story. You're like, oh, are the stories dropping off? There's all this like internal dialogue. But I believe in the invisible like, and I have a quick story on LinkedIn where it actually all this whole concept um, I sort of had started to come up with. I saw somebody post their frustration about not getting likes. And I said something to the extent of you're looking at the wrong metrics, because if you're focused on who's liking your stuff, it's taking you away from creating new things. And you never know who's seen within your network what you're posting. And somebody replied to my comment, uh, basically said, Ryan, you are 100% correct and you've just called me out. I've been following you and your stick figures for over two years and I've never liked any single post. Why? Because I was fearful of what would happen. But you just gave me the courage to connect and say, I actually like some of your stuff. And so we, this is a dialogue going back and forth. I'm like, awesome. So we connected through direct message. <clears throat> he ends up being uh, in the Czech Republic and we actually stayed in touch. Um, he tried to get me speaking gigs in the Czech Republic, which didn't work out, but that was cool. And then he actually came to the United States for the first time ever to visit in San Francisco. And it happened to be a time when I was racing in San Francisco uh, on a sailboat. And so we connected, he met me at the sailboat I took him out sailing in the San Francisco Bay. 
Um, we just had such a fun time. And like, he's a friend. He is my homie in the Czech Republic, all because he never liked my stuff. And so it's just, there. You, you have no idea. I mean, if you're nervous, think of all the people that are afraid to be a, like the like button is also fearful. So I, I think that's a great point about not, not, not really focusing as much on who's liking it, focusing on the content you're creating for the long haul. Exactly. I want you to tell us a little more about your stick figures because I was looking at that online. Uh, I was looking at your website and I was looking at the stick figures. It's just so, how did that come about? <laughs> so my parents, as I said, were educators. Uh, my sister, she was the one with all the arts and crafts, but for every $5 that my sister spent at the toy shop, my mom and dad invested probably another 10 or 15 into just like art supplies. And so when we'd be on the boat, it was always like drawing and creating. So I've always drawn. One thing I've always been interested in is coming up with my own unique characters. So there'd be phases like, and in high school, they looked a certain way and I try to draw them so that like they all had the same kind of look and feel. Um, <clears throat> I even won the design for the senior class t-shirt of 1999, where there's all these stick figure people, you know, spelling out 1999. I, long story short, I thought of making it in Hollywood. My internships turned to broke internships. I ended up in the mortgage industry to try to make money. And I was low man on the totem pole. And it's the kind of thing like really cutthroat sales were like, you get a lead if you don't close it, too bad. Uh, and so it was just so important to, to close these deals. And I was talking <clears throat> with my mom uh, and, and she was saying, look, sales is about relationships. So who in the process um, can impact your, your deals. And it was literally the processors, right? Everything is a processors. Cause if you, if you quote somebody and you get them excited and then the processors take a week to get back to you, like you've lost the deal. Cause everybody's jumping on it. So I decided to start snack time every Friday. I would go spend 50 to $60 in snacks, uh, cheese and salami. And I'd send out an email only to the processors. This is only processors could come. And so they came and I got to meet them over. Here's all the snacks and everything. And when I met them, I listened for what they were into. Somebody was into, you know, dragons and somebody was into um, cupcakes and somebody was into something. Right. So when I started submitting my files, I would draw on the front of it a stick figure rendition of what I knew would resonate with them. I walked by, be like, hey, here's another file for you. And I put it up on this huge stack because I'm low man. I'm like the least priority huge stack of files, like visually. And then they'd laugh and grab it at the top, look, have a giggle at it, take it, put it up in their cubicle, process my loan. This happened, my files started going faster. I got to president's club and then chairman's club and I started making more money than I know what to do with. And I think it was all because of the relationships and the stick figures connected it. Then fast forward after the market crashes and I ended up taking any job I could and I ended up in construction. And I ended up, um, believe it or not, selling bathrooms and kitchens. I was at a, like my lowest point. There's nothing worse. But I was able to sell because somebody would come in, describe what they would want. I'd be like, huh, sketch it out and be like, how about that? Is that what you're looking for? And they'd be like, oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, wait, you want this? And then I'd always make a joke. Don't worry, I'm not going to draw you in the shower, right? Because it's a stick figure and naked and stuff. And I literally sold showers and baths based on my ability to draw. So there's always been a drawing theme. And in 2015, 
I, like most people, were confused on what to post on social media. I was like, what am I, this Instagram thing. I had an Instagram account. What am I supposed to do? Around that same time, a friend knew I was a bit lost and they purchased a ticket to Tony Robbins. Now, he was not on my radar and it was not like I was a fan. I just showed up because a guy bought me a $500 ticket and he's like, just go. Just just a riveting four day experience. If you've ever if you've ever been in a room with 10,000 people that are just as vulnerable as possible. And it was just it was really motivating Just unleash your power within. And my goal was out of this, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do for Instagram. Sounds stupid, but like I need that. And Tony Robbins gave a challenge. He said, find something you can do every day, 10, 15 minutes maximum. Then find something that'll take you three to five years. Decide on it right now and start. And I was like, I was all, you know, heated in the moment. I was like, I can, I can draw stick figures. (laughs) And I decided, I'm like, that's it. I'm going to draw a stick figure every single day. And my first Instagram post is me doing a jump sidekick in front of the, the fire walking ban- banner and whatever. And from that day forward, I've been drawing stick figures every day. And we're talking six, seven years. So I've got thousands of them, but it's morphed into all of my keynotes are hand-drawn. Uh, when I give presentations or courses, everything is drawn. And it's, it's incredible because it all started with just, 10 minutes a day. And it's like, it was, it's therapy for me now. Yesterday I was all stressed out. And my quote was, what am I feeling? How can I represent this? Not everything will get done today. And it's a stick figure doing a check in a box with like hundreds of post-it notes at his feet. (laughs) So that's where it came from. And my final story about it, I turned 40 this last year during the pandemic. I was super excited about a big charter bash. I was going to charter some sailboats and have a bunch of friends and big party cancel due to safety. I'm all for it. But I decided to invest the money and time into building my first e-commerce, uh, which is a stick figure store. So if you go to stickfigure.store, it's a passion project. They're motivational mugs with stick figures and all proceeds go to three charities that I support for the ocean, for mental health and for um, uh, underserved entrepreneurs. And I just passed a hundred sales uh, two or three days ago. So I'm like, how cool is that? People are buying stick figures. Now I just got to figure out this uh, non-fungible, um, wait, NFT and non-fungible tokens. And I need to start, you know, tokenizing them and making them very rare. And maybe someday I'll sell them for millions of dollars. Who knows? That's awesome. I love that you've taken that though and you've made it into a cup that then now you can take the proceeds and give to your, I absolutely love that. I love the giving back, but that's an amazing story and you're an awesome storyteller. So I love that something that just was a hobby kind of for you and doodling as a child turns into something that. I I can't get away from it. I mean, like I've got stick figures on everything. My, my water bottle has stick figure mugs on it. You know, it's just like, but I think what's nice about a stick figure is that it, everybody can draw one. And again, that sort of plays into this, this idea that like, Oh, I can't do what you're doing, Ryan. Well, you, you can't draw a stick figure right now. You can't take a circle and do a line in a couple of feet. Like who cares what it looks like? People can understand it. So that's my lifelong joke is that I can't draw a stick figure with a ruler and a pencil because I'm so 
not artistic when it comes to like drawing and things like that. I always laugh about that. I'm like, yeah. I well, that's your problem. You don't need a pencil or a ruler. And I'll tell you why, because a ruler is going to try to get you straight lines. Don't worry about that. And a pencil gives you the opportunity to erase. Don't do that. Go with a fat Sharpie marker and a regular old piece of paper and just get after it. Uh, the one piece of advice I will give you for your, for your future stick figure drawing and for anybody here listening, if you want to get better at drawing stick figures, draw more stick figures. If you want to get better at blogging, write more blogs. If you want to get better at speaking, speak more. If you want to get better at Twitter, tweet more. I think it's the magical equation that we don't want to listen to. This is kind of what we we're talking about before, right? Yeah. If you want to get better at something, do that something more. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think we definitely try to hide from being put out of the, we're out of our comfort zone or put on the spot. We don't want to do it. We shy away from it. But uh, I was never more out of my comfort zone than the first time I did a podcast. So yeah, you do, like, how, how was that first podcast? Was it just amazing? <laughs> just awful. And I was reading from a script. And then I realized, okay, I don't want to be reading from a script and it doesn't sound good anyway. And I just need to be able to speak naturally. And that came with, you know, I first eased up and just did outlines and was like, okay, you're going to talk about this and then this and two, then now record, just start talking. You know what? Your, your script was your proverbial ruler that you're exactly. looking for. Exactly. And it's okay to start with a script. It's okay to start with a ruler. But uh, as you do it more, you'll 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 get you'll get through it. I think I think for me, what's exciting is how challenging simplicity is. There's nothing more challenging than making things simple. A stick figure that is just a few dashes, lines, circles, and dots for it to like mean something or represent something. Like there's a lot that goes into it, and I think that's why. I'm so, I almost want to say obsessed with this 313 method as well. It's the same type of rigor of drawing to the basics that means something that's easily to understand, but with the words you choose to use to explain what you do or what your business is. I feel like people are just drawing and coloring and, and construction paper and, and they create this whole big like visual, like this thing. And they're like, this is what I do. And you're like, what the hell is that? I'm confused. <gasps> then they just talk more. And so I love the idea of boiling things down to their most simple parts, whether it's stick figures, whether it's a concept, whether it's what I do, what you do, what a podcast is, and there's nothing more difficult. And so the 313, just creating a structure and a framework, something that you can do, you can do over again, you can practice, you know, it's, it's like a tuning fork. The tuning fork never changes. You adjust to fit that tune. And so when it comes to explaining that the most frequently asked question, what do you do? It's, it's a way of simplifying that message so that people can get interested and understand before you take them like into the, into the zone of you just like, blah, 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 just, telling them everything, right? Yeah. I think we're so used to 
filling out that proverbial resume where we have to make what we do sound like we know what we're doing and that it's interesting and someone wants to keep reading that at least for me when you own a business you end up just like what you said confusing everyone because you're trying to be the jack of all trades and yet that just confuses your audience and they have no idea what you do or how you can help them and that's probably the hardest thing is fine-tuning that what do you do well, and, uh, and, and, and here's here's a quick little secret to it, uh, at least what I found out after interviewing hundreds, if not thousands of people, putting them through this process and around the world, like at, at conferences and when I meet and consult with people or there's 10 minute breakout sessions, it's like I can continue to run this through. And I'm going to ask you the question and you answer however you want, but I'll show you how this question is really the key to answering how you answer what you do. If you had to choose, do you think people care more about what you do or do you think they care more about the problem that you solve? If you had to just choose between those two. I would say they care about the problem I solve. And therein lies the problem because people ask you, what do you do? But secretly, they don't really care what you do. They're more interested in the problem that you solve. That's like cut to the chase. And so one of the fundamental principles of the 313 is based on this. It's sort of like people don't care what you do. They've been asking you what you do all your life, but that's just a, a social pleasantry to sort of start a conversation. And people aren't really listening to that. They're, they're sort of glazed in the eyes. And so fundamentally, I'm not telling people to say things differently. I'm fundamentally telling them to say it in a different order. If somebody asks you what you do, smile and be like, I do a lot of stuff, but what's more important is the problem that I solve. I 100% guarantee they're going to ask you if you stop talking, they'll say, so what's the problem that you solve? And you haven't told them what you do and you can tell them the problem. The problem is when somebody tries to build a personal brand and they don't get personal, that's the reason why they don't get any traction. Do you think that's a problem? Yeah, I can see that. Do you have that problem? Well, kind of. You're looking to solve that problem anytime soon? Yeah, I can help you out. Wait, what do you do? Oh, now you're interested, right? So it's a, it's a process that you simply answer the problem that you solve, your solution, and your market. There's nothing more foundational to a business or who you are. But this system helps you get it down to three sentences, one sentence, and ultimately three words. And the time it takes to do that is, is, is crazy. But then when you get there, all of a sudden you're like, the fog is lifted. You're like, it's clear. I know the problem that I solve. I know who has that problem and I can solve it for you. And then you stop worrying about all the other, you know, all the other people you're trying to please with what you think they want to hear. That sounds cool. That's amazing. And I think that a lot of people in business struggle with that, that number one thing right there. And I think it's so hard to do, it's easy to skip. Yeah. And so it's like, I talk with these people who've had their business for years and I'd be like, okay, what is the problem that you solve? Blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. Let's come back to that one problem. If you just had to choose one, it's so hard to nail down because you, you want to talk about all this stuff. But I think that's why it's easy to skip over. And if you skip over the core messaging, your marketing campaigns might not connect with what you do. And your social media posts might be scattered and discombobbled. 
or your brand, people are like, what the heck does this guy do? First, I see stick figures, then I see that. But when I know my core brand is about simplicity, I can decide how it all stitches in together. Yeah, I think that's really, really a good point. And I want to draw it back to what you were talking about before too, which is the human connection and connecting to people. I think that is the one thing that is so super important and that people who have really developed their brand and business well really understand. Um, and it's like teaching, you know, as a teacher, I know that my kids do not care what I know about German unless they know that I care about them and that I care about what they what they're learning and making it meaningful for them and making it a fun experience. They don't care. And that's why you have teachers who really connect well and can translate any kind of content, as you probably also know, to students who remember it. Um, and you have teachers who are terrible <laughs> at making connections with students and those students don't really remember the content because they're just trying to get through the class as quickly as they can. Totally. You know, I think people do business with those they know, like, and trust. And I love this analogy here to the classroom. Students will learn from teachers that they know, like, and trust. And without that relationship, how do people get to know you and how do they, how do they, how are they invested in their time? I love the idea of paying attention, paying. We, when you pay attention to somebody, whoever's listening so far, like, thank you. You are paying in a monetary value with your time and your attention. And I think we take that for granted, but when we see the person on the other side of the zoom, and we look into their backdrop and we understand that they're a person and we know that they either haven't eaten or, they ha or they're gonna eat. You know, they gotta go to the bathroom at some point. They, they're, 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 their dogs are gonna like all of this stuff. Then you're like on that same page or if we're going with the boat analogy, on the same boat. If you're a teacher and you don't relate, like kids are gonna stay back on the dock. And then those that go on the boat with you, that's the experiences that they'll remember. Absolutely. It's all about, I think, trust. And when you decide to spend your money or spend your time, it's because you've decided that you trust whoever you're choosing to work with or whatever brand you're choosing to buy. And I think trust is such an important thing. Totally. And if people don't actually know you, if they don't feel like they know who that person is, if they don't understand what that engine really is at the end of the day, they're not going to be able to have enough information to truly like you. And I think that a big mistake what people make, we talked about this from the beginning of painting the engine instead of making it work correctly, is that they focus on creating content or sharing content that they think people will like. But that is a high like reel. And so when you focus on sharing who you are and those experiences and relating with people and, and having your audience in mind and your customers in mind so that they can see why you're even doing this in the first place. What, why would you be selling this? Like what, what's in it for you and, and, and how can we connect those dots? That's the point where what you're posting becomes a highlight real, R-E-A-L. And so I feel like my content is genuine to who I am and that's maybe why it resonates with the people it resonates with. Now I'm a crazy high energy ginger and some people I'm just too much for, and that's okay. So it's about being comfortable with that. Um, but yes, people want to do business with those that they know, like, and trust. People want to learn 
from those people who they know, like, and trust. If you don't let people get to know you and your imperfections and your flaws and things like that, then how are they going to be able to like you and or trust you? Exactly. And we have to let go of this idea that everyone has to like you because that's just not even a possibility. And when you're reaching out to everybody, you're impacting no one. Mm -hmm. You know, in the 313, I ask people, who's your target market? And then I say, you, you have to say it in a sentence, but the rule is you cannot use the A word or the E word. And if they do, I have a buzzer ready that I buzz them. And it's fun. It's like a game show. But do you want to guess what the A word and E word is when it comes to your market? I would say all or every. Yep. Everyone or anyone or all. So many people. I'm like, okay, would your beachhead market, just the people who are interested. Don't worry about everybody else. And they go, everyone who, because <laughs> whenever you say everyone or anyone, it literally means no one because immediately a two-year-old, nope, popped a hole in it. Oh, 99-year-old, nope, popped a hole in it. Um, They're in a different country. Boom, popped a hole in it. Our brains are so fast like that. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting exercise. Yeah, that is really interesting. And I love that you take people through that because I think it really does help you get some clarity on who it is that you serve because you really have to know who that is. Yeah, I have this, um, this max out equation uh, which is funny because people will push back. And they'll be like, but, um, but, 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 I'm like, okay. So tell me how many clients could you take like maxed out, maxed out? And if it's a consultancy, maybe it's 20, 50 or a hundred, right? If they're an app, maybe it's a hundred thousand or something like that. So whatever their number is, I'm like, okay. Now, hypothetically speaking, if I brought 10 people who are ideal, ideal customers, they have the problem that you solve, line them up in the waiting room, you get a nice fancy office, no alcohol. You cannot sway them with booze, but you have as much time as you want to talk with them. Out of those 10 people, how many will you close? And they think, and you can see how confident they are, right? So let's just say for easy math, they're like, I'd close five out of 10. Sometimes people are like, oh, I'd close all 10, whatever that is, right? Okay, so now we have a closing ratio and we have how many max potential clients you have. So with simple math, we can find out that if your max is, 20 people and your closing ratio is 50%, well, guess what? You only need to get in front of 40 of your ideal clients to be as maxed out as possible. And it's like, so you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars to hit thousands and thousands of people. What if you spent thousands and thousands of dollars to find those 40 and then you closed half of them and now you're done. And it's just like, I think it's something that makes us realize, whoa, and I'll ask people like, okay, how much is in your budget when I work with a startup to how much are you raising specifically for marketing funds? 350,000. Okay. Now, how far will that 350,000 go if you're marketing to 300 million people? It's not even going to, it's not even going to make a blip. But what if you took that 350,000 and you focused hyper-targeted on just a certain area of people that you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's all about who you can serve, right? A lot of wasted energy and money out there for people who are not really your clients. Yeah, I think so. I think that happens a lot. Well, I love this method. So if somebody is out there and they want to learn more about this method or they want to read your book, they want to read Ditch the App so they can learn how to be perfectly imperfect, how, what's the best way to do that? So the best way to find me 
Ryan online is to go to Ryan dot online. Not a dot com. Just go to Ryan. I'm the Ryan R-Y-A-N dot online. That's as simple as it goes. There's a 313 tab. Uh, and if you are particularly interested in the 313, I have a podcast called the 313 Challenge. Uh, it's on all platforms. And if you actually want to apply, check out a couple episodes because you're going to be in the hot seat. There's bells and buzzers. But you can go to ryan.online forward slash the numbers 313me. So ryan.online forward slash 313me. And you can apply to be on the show. I, I love having people I've never met before. We run through the system. We have a lot of fun and there's a lot to learn. I love that. Sounds amazing. I'm going to have to listen to that because I love game show like esque things. You know, you know, we're going to try to get you on there now too. It's a <laughs> foregone conclusion. So you let me know. And then if I don't hear from you, then I'll, I'll send you information. We'll get you on. That'll be fun. Oh, you guys heard it here first. I've been challenged <laughs> me on his podcast. So I will let you know coming up when that happens or if that happens. I When, I when, like when it happens. No, if. <laughs> Well, this is such a fun and informative conversation. Thank you so much for being here. I always like to ask my guests if there's one little nugget of advice that you could give our listeners, what might that be? So aside from my favorite nugget from How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is smile more, that's, that's easy hands down, but that's an easy, that's a giveaway. Tied in kind of with what we're saying, it's this. Successful people, and we can replace people, successful bloggers, successful speakers, successful whatever you want there. So insert your profession. Successful people are not doing what everyone else cannot do. Successful people are doing what everyone can do, but not everyone does. Go to bed early, wake up early, feed yourself with healthy food, have a nice work-life harmony, take a break, don't go Zoom after Zoom, put in the work, write a little, write a page of your book every day, blog when you need to, accept the challenge of being on a podcast, do these different things. It's what we talked about. Successful people are doing what everyone can do, but not everyone does. And when you realize that, you can focus on the stair, not the staircase, take it one day at a time, even if your Monday was a total throwout. You get back on track and you just focus that it's the daily efforts over time that really create results. Beautiful piece of advice. I love that. And so true. So true. Don't focus on the whole entire journey. Just focus on the road that's ahead of you right now and where you are. And that's how you stay focused and not overwhelmed. Because overwhelmed Daily habits. Find the habits that you can make like we got in the habit during the pandemic of working out every day. We got in the daily habit of drinking more water. We got the date. I do one writing project a week. Like it's, it's creating these habits. It's not a flash in the pan. It's a long-term fix, but just like the, just like the long-term fix on my boat, I have a better relationship with my boat. You'll have a better relationship with yourself, with your business, with your, with your social media, whatever it is that you're investing in. Absolutely. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. This was so fun. This was, this was, I'd say this is probably the highlight of my day and it's been a busy, fun day already. So that's saying a lot. It's been awesome. Well, thank you. And you are welcome to come back anytime. And we will let all of you know when uh, I'm going to be on Ryan. Yes. I like the terminology there. It took a second to get it out, but that's okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get you all scheduled up. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I want to thank all of you for being here with us today as well. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. And the best compliment you can give to me is to recommend this podcast to others. Also, if you follow me on social media, I go live Mondays at 630 Central on Facebook, where I do a free card reading. If you show up for the live, I'll pull a card especially for you. And if you want to work with me, you can go to my website, melissaoatman.com. There you'll see all the services I offer and you can book directly from the website. I hope that you guys are having a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. And as always, I am sending you so much love and light. I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.